Welcome to Financial Flight Academy with John Schutz and Brent Connolly from Soar Wealth Strategies. In this podcast, we inspire families and business owners to build a foundation for their financial future. We do this by listening and building trust with our clients. Join us for this journey where we explore ways to protect your nest and live out your dreams as John and Brent draw from years of experience and guest experts to help you take that leap of faith. Well, if you've ever thought the American dream is dead, think again. Today's guest immigrated to the United States, didn't know English very much, and is now the director of architecture and DevOps. What does that mean, Kareem? I don't know. I haven't even introduced you yet. We'll talk about that in a second. For the largest healthcare staffing company in the United States, I'm John Schutz. And I'm Brent Conley. We are the founding partners of Soar Wealth Strategies. And as always, the goal of this podcast is to inspire and teach out there that the American dream is possible. Yeah, and this guest will get the job done. So welcome, Kareem Kayati, to Financial Flight Academy. Welcome, Kareem. Thank you, John. All right, so what's what 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 do you do over there at AYA? So <laughs> AYA Healthcare is the largest medical staffing company right now in the U.S. And to support the growth and all the operation that we do provide for uh, all the hospitals and clinics throughout the, the 50 states, we needed a very strong technology system. So my role is to help design, scale all the systems that will make sure we'll get nurses, physicians, clinicians placed at the right time at the right hospital. So all that IT infrastructure, technology, engineers enablement, so they can come in, especially remotely. We're 100% remote. So think about wow. having 500 engineers throughout the 50 states and near shore and offshore been able to come in at any time and do their job. So my job is uh, with my team, of course, to, is to enable uh, all these engineers and support our, our business. See, Brent, I yeah. told you we wouldn't understand it. So, right. Yeah. yeah. Well, right. you know, Kareem, we have a kind of a running joke around here that every day the technology, you know, IT specialist here at SOAR, it rotates. It rotates. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Whoever has the problem is the IT guy. <laughs> now, so, I, so let's let, let's start with the backstory yeah, here a little exactly. bit first. I, we'll get more to the company. I'm fascinated. So tell me a little bit about where you're from and how you ended up here in the United States. So I was born and grew up in one of the most beautiful countries, Tunisia. Tunisia is, uh, if you think about, you know, kind of Morocco, North Africa, a little mm -hmm. bit touching Sicily, Italy. And uh, yeah, I grew up there, went to, I did my undergrad. Actually, I was going for a CPA. Okay. I did, uh, based on the French system, Tunis Tunisia uh, followed the French education system. So did all that and uh, started thinking about coming to the US for whatever reasons. That was one of the dreams that I developed as I was growing and things lined up, got lucky, got pulled into the the diversity visa program in 1997, mm -hmm. I believe. and. Mm -hmm. How does how does that work, Kareem? You apply. You apply. You, there's some rules, right? They will require some rules. I don't know if the rules are still the same or not. I think they're still like you have to have a bachelor degree. You have to do all these things. And I did apply and uh, my wife and I got lucky. We got selected and we went through the whole process. By the way, it's very, very rigorous process. Mm -hmm. It takes about a year. Very. And uh, the funniest part is the last interview, <laughs> I had no idea how big the U.S. is, right? Mm -hmm. What you see in the movies, what you see in the movies, right? <laughs> New York, LA. And I remember the last interview was like a few weeks before we came here was with the US ambassador in Tunisia. And she said, where are you going? And the only person I knew was going to do my, one of my friends in high school was doing his PhD in UNL. 
And I told her, I'm going to Lincoln, Nebraska. And the lady looks and was like, do you know where that is? And I was like, no, you have a lot of thick clothes. Tunisia is 70 degrees and people are cold, right? right. Like, oh, that sounds and, uh, nice. So, so I think she kind of said, like, hey, this guy has no idea. And uh, <laughs> two weeks later, we were in Lincoln, Nebraska. So it's been beautiful since then. So what was your first impression of the snow and the winter here? We were so excited. Uh -huh. literally we were like i remember i think it snowed the first year around i think close to christmas and uh, my wife and i thought it was the most beautiful thing mm -hmm. until we start have to clean this <laughs> so yeah it, it was fun and and uh now now you know it's fun for a few days with the kids and stuff like that but uh -huh. uh, it, it is part of what we do right it's it's that's part of nebraska so. don't worry you'll end up disliking it much like the rest oh, of oh no i i'm there yet but, you know. <laughs> not beautiful anymore no no <laughs> You got over it. No, no. <laughs> well, you were kind of destined to come to the United States, right? I mean, with your birthday and yeah. born, born on the July 4th and oh, married wow. on July 4th. So, <laughs> yeah. Was that a happy, I mean, obviously the birth was a happy coincidence, but I mean, was the marriage? It, on the marriage was because from a timing perspective, right? We we had, um, because of how things worked out and, and our move to the U.S., uh, was really kind of the, the the and that was a Saturday. So, so you know, <laughs> 1998 Saturday, first one of July was mm -hmm. July 4th, right? So it, it worked for I guess for all good reasons. And when you got to Nebraska, were you surprised that there were not? Uh, it was not like Manhattan, the pictures you had seen. So I remember vividly coming in at like 1 a.m. and then and 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 uh, we landed in Chicago. We did all the paperwork there, the immigration things, and then you know we didn't even leave the airport, and we came at 1 a.m. My buddy waited for me at the Lincoln Airport. You know how small that is. And, <laughs> and I was all imagining, right? You know, he lives in the 50th floor and we're going to drive through all these things. And then I think he had a small, small one bedroom apartment on like 11th and Beat. Was the, there was no, no, not even a two floor uh, right. building. And it's like, okay, maybe in the morning, maybe I'm tired. I've been traveling for like sure. five hours. Sure. Yeah, delirious. And then, yeah. you know, woke up, I think, we were right on Friday night. This is over 25 years ago. And on uh, Saturday, it hit me that this is different. Mm -hmm. And we really thought, you know what, maybe a couple weeks, a couple months will go. But you know what? 25 years later, I have a family, four kids, and cannot ask for a better place to, mm -hmm. to have a family. So yeah, it's been beautiful. Wow, that's great. So how much English did you speak then when you when you showed up? My English was I took literally two, three classes as a third language, and there was no incentive for me to learn English. Mm -hmm. uh, all the business, all the education was in French, speak, spoke Arabic uh, as well. So English was no incentive. And I really thought about coming to the States, but I really did not do the calculus that I really need English. It only hit me here. So yeah, we went to community college. We took a couple of English classes as mm -hmm. a second language and watch a lot of movies, blockbuster, Hollywood, if you remember those things. Uh, <laughs> Vaguely. A uh, uh, couple of movies every day with subtitles on. And right. we had great, great support system. So this is something, if if somebody listening to this and want to help somebody, the supports, I remember like my friend, the second week took me to Funny Bone. And he said, <laughs> I said, I don't understand. A the comedy jokes. club. Yeah, right? he, he was from yeah. my home country. So like, this was the one in downtown, you know, like. Oh, yeah. Old and market. He said, Old market. And uh, and he said, and I told him, he's like, we spoke a different language. Like, I don't get it. And he said, just laugh. Just try to follow. And we've been, we did that few weeks and I started getting the jokes, right? So mm -hmm. <laughs> you put the effort, you have a good support system. I remember my friends, we all spoke at least one language. Sometimes we spoke two languages. And mm -hmm. 
only speak in English, right? It's for you. They they really made it harder for for me and my wife. Uh, my wife was a little bit better than me. She she actually her English was a tiny bit better, but yeah, we had a good support system that really kind of uh, within a year I I was working as an engineer and and one of the largest company here in town and. I guess I did okay. So, so you learned English from Larry the Cable Guy. That explains the yes, accent. Yes, 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 yes yeah. right. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> sure. Yeah. So, <laughs> no, no, it was, it was fun. So, so, so uh, tell me a little bit about your education. And uh, you already had your bachelor's degree when you came here, correct? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, we had the bachelor's degree. I did my mine in accounting finance uh, with a minor in kind of a little bit of technology. If you, the 90s technology is very, very different than, than what <laughs> a little bit. Uh, and uh, yeah, I came here, uh, went, as I told you, to, you know, did ESL classes, two, three, and then I transitioned to like finance accounting. And then if you remember then the Y2K era, right? I think if you can spell computer, you can get a job. <laughs> uh, so I thought, oh, this is a good way to transition and have a good, decent li living. And uh, I really fell in love with uh, what I learned how to do at that time, going through, you know, programming classes at Metro and UNL. But I never had a degree until later on. I was like, I really want to get a degree here. You know, I'm, I'm part of this. So I went back to Creighton and I got my master. So, so yeah. And my wife, the same thing, right? She had a finance degree and she wanted to get back and she really fell in love with the medical field. She went and got her BSN and now she's working as an RN in one of the local hospitals. The one thing I, I really want to emphasize, I tell this to my kids, I tell, the privilege that we have here, right? And how, as hard as we think it is, it is really easy compared to other places. <laughs> and that's one thing is like, it is within reach. Then it, it is within two steps, mm -hmm. right? So we're really privileged to have a lot of things that sometimes we don't appreciate, but I think you just put the effort and uh, put your heart and mind and you can get a lot of things done. I, I love that because uh, right. we've talked to our kids a lot about that. You know, you think it's tough. <laughs> yeah. Your tough day. Yeah. <laughs> People would pray for in some other places in the world. Absolutely. So, well, let's, let's move on to uh, kind of the next phase here, Kareem, and talk about your ascent up the old job ladder and, uh, so let's work our way back again. Your role at it's Aya or Aya Healthcare. Aya Healthcare, right? So how many you supervise the IT pros? You you told me a story about you said you outsource a lot of this, and you're pretty successful in Ukraine right now. We have some people in Ukraine. Yeah, we have some a good actually good percentage of our employee in Ukraine. They've been with us for for a number of years, and they continue to be with us. And the majority is in the U.S., though, through the 50 states, yeah. mainly remote as the company grows. It just fascinated me. The, the, there's some hurdles there in Ukraine right now, right? <laughs> they are doing amazing jobs. Those yeah. people are fighters. Yeah. I mean, they do their work. And and yeah, they're amazing. Very intelligent, very committed group of people. So, yeah. But but still, even still, you're. Uh, I think you mentioned to me you're having a hard time yeah, right filling now. every opportunity you've got. So this is this is an invitation for all the people who are considering, you know, either a second career or a different career or going to college, technology is, a, is, is a, there is no, I don't remember in the last 20 plus years, there is a need for engineers across the board, right? Across mm -hmm. the spectrum, right? right? On the infrastructure side, on the software development side, on anything, right? There is a huge need. Yeah, we have, we, you can just, yeah, look at uh, our website and uh, we have, uh, I think yesterday we had over 70 opening wow. positions wow. in just my area. Yeah. So making sure that those folks that are going to college, making sure they're picking the right type of field to go <laughs> into 
I mean, talk about the need out there right now. Yeah, and we do have that conversation a lot with folks here at Sorwell Strategies about they want to know how to fund children's educations. And a lot of times the advice is, well, if your child wants to be a teacher, for example, you need to do kind of a cost benefit, right? Do we need to go to a $60,000 university to become a teacher? Right. I digress. Back to you, Kareem. Yeah. Let's go Let's ahead. talk about company growth. It sounds like that there's been some amazing growth at the company, and I'm sure it sounds like COVID fueled some of this back in 2020. You want to touch a little bit about the growth of the company? And yeah, I, I think, yeah, like you said, I think we all know what happened last three years and the the huge need that was the huge need for for all the clinicians, right, nurses and others. So yeah, I mean, uh, our company did an outstanding job positioning itself as a, as a, the best provider to fill those needs. So yeah, we had that growth, but we sustained it. And I think COVID is hopefully behind us now, but uh, <laughs> our ability to deliver on, on what we need position has to be and continue to be successful and continue to grow. So yes, the growth is, is fueled by the need started with COVID and even a little bit before COVID, but it continues to, to be, to be out there and we are, we're delivering on that. And we continue to hear that. John, from our, our clients that are business owners here, they, they, they thrived during COVID. Yep. They, they adapt. They did. Right. And had phenomenal years. Yep. It, no. And it's, uh, it just, it's a testament not only to, yes, COVID probably helped your business in its growth, but the fact that you took advantage of, of that, right. A lot of folks were kind of shutting down and pulling it back, not knowing where where things were going at that time. So, what all? When we talk about staffing in the healthcare industry, what all are you staffing? We have different verticals. It's all about mainly it's about nurses, but we do serve other other roles like physicians, PAs, okay. different clinicians. So a lot of the traveling nurses, travel nurse. Yeah. We do. There's without getting into details, there is per diem, there is, uh, you know, placement, long-term contract placement, but yeah, there's travelers, there's, there's different needs that hospitals, clinics have, and, and we try to kind of find the right fit for, for that. And that's the key piece that tying it back to our technology, right? Mm -hmm. How to match, right? How to match the right candidate with the right clinic or hospital at the right time. Mm -hmm. And that's, and that's the secret sauce that uh, from a technology perspective, you need to, to, to deliver on. So is how can you make that happen as quick as possible yeah. and, and before your competitors? So, so. We, we, there's a lot more interesting uh, background on Kareem that we're going to tackle in just a minute. Excuse me. Yeah, you. Thanks so much for listening to Financial Flight Academy. We hope you're enjoying it so far. If you have any questions or would like to talk more about this topic, you can find us at SoarWealthStrategies.com, and all of our social media platforms are listed in the show notes. And we're back with Financial Flight Academy's guest, Kareem Kayati. So Kareem, tell us a little bit how you got to this point in your career. I mean, talk about a leap of faith. You came over here knowing very, very little English. And tell us about the support system that really helped give you the confidence. And, and tell us a little bit about that, that story. So, yes, I mean, as soon as we came here, I think part of it is luck, right? Having the right people that really pushed pushed us and kind of showed us where there's opportunities, right? How to be effective in in learning your 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 kind of business and and social language, how to try to meet people, right? First six months, my friends like, hey, let's go. Let's play racquetball. It's something that will help you, right? Mm -hmm. uh, introduced me to a lot of good people uh, throughout my career professionally and, and and otherwise following your dreams right set set a goal to me 
I, I was clear. I want to, you know, I recognize that this technology, I came in 98, it was a thing. And I said, I'm going to invest in that. And I pushed myself, right? I remember going to like work, you know, and then going late and taking night classes and pushing myself. My wife and I were pushing each other to to do whatever it takes. And then going after an opportunity. I remember, I, I think I, I, I applied for this first job. I was not even sure if I, my resume was like... Spelled correctly, but I did, right? And I remember going to the interview and I said, I, I was asking, right? I was like, give me this chance, right? right. I, I, my boss, still still good friends, my first boss that hired me, now, very good friends, right? Mm -hmm. And I was like, you know, I followed up, right? I didn't even know that's a thing you need to follow up at the interview, but I did, right? right? Because I wanted that job. I wanted that opportunity. And and I think if you do all these things and you put your heart and mind and, and I think things can only come your way. So that that's, I think, having the right support system, having, you know, a goal and push yourself. And at every juncture, I think, kind of evaluate. Is this it? Can I do more? Right. And that's, that's, I think the key is, I don't think it's that hard. I think all you need to do is, and, and there's a lot of things. I think the other thing we talk about the privilege. Look at how much resources we have with the internet. Right. Mm -hmm. I know people say, Hey, it's whatever, but there's, all these resources, you can take whatever class, anything within a couple hours. So, mm -hmm. so I think, I think really recognizing all these things that are around you and how they fit into your kind of roadmap of becoming a better professional, a better father, a better neighbor, all these things, right? Better community person. So set a goal and know why you're doing that. And I believe if you do them, they all kind of build on each other, right? So if you're a better father, makes you a better professional and vice versa. Mm -hmm. uh, so all, all those good things. Yeah. It's a great lesson too, because I, I, I learned this lesson very early on in my career. You know, if you don't ask, the answer is no. Absolutely. If you do ask, mm -hmm. eh, it's 50, 50, yes or no. Right. So <laughs> I remember I worked 66 days in a row at a TV station as a weekend sports guy after the sports director had gotten fired. And I finally asked after about 50 days, Hey, uh, am I going to get this job? He said, and the news director says to me, well, why we didn't know you wanted it. <laughs> wow. Sometimes you have to ask for what you want for right. and not be shy about it. Absolutely. Absolutely. So pivoting here now, Kareem, we are so lucky that you are living here in Omaha. You helped start the Tri-Faith Initiative here in Omaha. First, tell us a little, about, a little bit about the initiative's intent and how this all came together. And for people who aren't familiar with it, just what the Tri-Faith Initiative yeah. is. So go, you got 15 minutes. No, I'm kidding. So, <laughs> so I'm a context guy. I don't know if you guys are familiar with the Gallup strength finder thing. Sure. I, I want to provide yeah. a little bit of context. You have to kind of think back early 2000 and what was happening without getting into the geoeconomics or all these things. And a group of us, my, my friends, right? We recognized that few things. We needed to have I'm, I'm a, I grew up in a Muslim country. I'm a Muslim. Sure. That we needed to have something in Omaha that represented how we think, how we look at things. We are American Muslim. We made this our home country. And right. We needed something. And first we were like in West Omaha. So I was like, hey, there's nothing around here as well. <laughs> so we started thinking about having this presence. But there was, through all these activities, we met some some people from the, the Jewish faith, that they were the leaders of the synagogue on 72nd and uh, and Dodge around that area. And we were having a conversation 
early on, this is 2005, 2006, like, would it be nice if we can intentionally move next to each other and share a parking? Yeah, that's right? amazing. Like, yeah. And that's how it started. And then it's like, you know what? We'll be more amazing if we can find a Christian partner, mm -hmm. right? And this is, was not about mixing a religion. It was was more sending a message that, you know what? We're here in Omaha, one of the most peaceful, beautiful uh, city uh, in the U.S. And if we can do that, we're sending a message that it's much bigger than anything we can. And we did. We really went shopping for uh, uh, for uh, and start as a dream, and then we start getting you know support. And a number of years ago, we have a seventy acres campus on one of the most beautiful piece of land in Omaha, one about one thirty second and Pacific. That is, Brent uh, may have a beef with that land thing because it used to be a golf course. It, and, it did, yeah. So, but I'm going to tell you a little story about that <laughs> golf course. Do you know what that golf course? The history that was golf course was built in the twenties by the Jewish because the Jewish at that time were, were excluded from and a group of Jewish people in the 1920s era had that as a country club, mm -hmm. but they opened it for everybody. Mm -hmm. And then through the financial trouble of 2008 and mm -hmm. nine, things did not work out. And we were the first buyer of those 70 acres. Right. Right. As a matter of fact, that was actually an incentive to a lot of other uh, business to, to, to develop around that area. So uh, this, the beautiful story of that piece of land continues. And yeah. it's, I think it's serving even a bigger purpose right now. So, yeah. Yeah. I'm glad you purchased it. There's too many trees. I played it once. <laughs> I, I'm, I was ready to move on. I'm, it's a beautiful campus you it, have over there. But yeah, you. it's, it really has kind of continued the mission of, uniting rather than exactly yeah. and and so yeah so that's how the story started and now we're continue to uh, do a lot of good things around the, the 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 city so so did you know what you were doing when you were starting this absolutely thing were you not. <laughs> absolutely not i got i got pulled in to help build a website and uh and that's how i started and uh, throughout the years you put the effort like i said right mm -hmm. and you learn and you watch people who are smarter and, and, and you just learn. And, and uh, I think people will trust you when they see you kind of uh, growing and, and following through on uh, on all the, the work that's needed. So yeah, yeah. Can I ask for a better opportunity that I believe throughout all that work, those Saturdays morning and Sunday mornings and volunteering, doing all these things, I have no doubt that helped me be a better person and a better professional right. because of, of how all this interaction that happened throughout that that experience. And that's the wonderful thing about growing up here in Omaha. I was born and raised here. And you talk about people in Omaha coming together, very friendly city. I mean, you hear about the 1%, of course. Yeah. But unbelievable story on how people can come together for different faiths, completely different thought processes, but everyone pulling the rope together. That's a great story. Absolutely. It's beautiful. And you got help from uh, kind of the big name in town, right? Yeah, we got a lot of uh, a lot of support once they understood what we're trying to do. Right, mm -hmm. a lot of the foundations here once they understood the story mm -hmm. and what we're trying to achieve. And it's really not about the religious aspect more than about sending a message of right. we're here together. We can support each other as neighbors. Right, you, we can be different, but at the end of the day, we're trying to be good citizens, good neighbors. Uh, you know, good community. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, and, and that's the beautiful part. Yeah, a lot of big foundations here in town. Once they understood and learned what we were doing, the the, the support uh, came in at the, the at a big level. I think that's sometimes lost about Omaha. What a uh, philanthropic community we have here. Absolutely. And, yeah, a lot of very very generous people. We see it every day with our clients and their intent for charities or 
passing on wealth to the next generation. But And those are all things we work on with our clients I, here. If there is that intent, uh, a lot of things you can do with donor advised funds or mm-hmm. charitable remainder trusts. I'm sure you're familiar with a few of those things now, aren't you, Kareem? <laughs> <laughs> so Kareem, I, I, Kareem Kayati, I, I just, uh, I'm so glad that we started talking on the pickleball courts. It goes again to your point of, if you, you just know. talk to people. How's his pickleball play, John? You know, he's, he's pretty good. The uh, problem is he's transitioning from racquetball and that is difficult. Yeah. It, it, yeah. It's it's going to take a little bit of time. Okay. But it, it, <laughs> well, I'm working on it. All right. Well, do me a favor and we'll see. Beat his butt. He's, he's, <laughs> well, I'm not very good. I mean, Kareem can attest to that. So yeah, anyway, but Kareem, I'm glad you stumbled onto Nebraska. Uh, you have improved our community, and uh, I just couldn't be happier that we ran into each other. So if you'd like to know more about us at uh, Sorwell Strategies, visit our website, SorwellStrategies.com, or call the office at 531-867-3400. Again, Kareem, thank you for sharing your story. Thank you. We appreciate it. Join us next time on Financial Flight Academy. Thank you for listening to the Financial Flight Academy podcast. Click the follow button to be notified when new episodes become available. Visit our website at SoarWealthStrategies.com or give us a call at 531-867-3400. And don't forget to click the follow button to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Soar Wealth Strategies. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service providers with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning. Securities and advisory services offered through Commonwealth Financial Network, member FINRA SIPC, a registered investment advisor.